Now we have to be careful what we say. Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 441 is recorded live March 19th, 2020. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan where we're practicing our social distancing. Joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Well, so far, I'm doing pretty good. I, I just woke up from my little evening pre-going-to-sleep you know, pre going to sleep nap, so uh-huh. I'm still getting my bearings here. Yeah, so that, that was after the, 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 the post-noon snooze is a pre-afternoon evening nap? Now that you mention that, uh, well, I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm resembling that more often than not. I'll, it's like I, I'll, I'll sit down in the recliner after work, and then I, I'll wake up. It's like, oh, it's time for bed. You know, I go back and think that over a little bit. Like when you're a kid and your mother said uh-huh. you got to come in and take a nap. That wasn't for my benefit. <laughs> so she could have a nap. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't realize how great naps were. Well, I'd like to thank everybody's in the chat room. A, a lot of people coming on in and listening. We have Dave and Derek and Eric and Karen all joining us this week in the chat room. And also like to thank all our Patreon supporters. Those numbers slowly increase and that helps keep us going and also allows us to say what we do say, which sometimes isn't always the uh, most, uh, you know, if we were getting sponsorships or other things, they, they might not like to hear how we talk, but you know, by you supporting us, then you're the only ones we have to answer to. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First article we have is uh, from the British sub aquatic divers organization. So that says with the ongoing current pandemic of COVID-19, the environment for everyone is constantly changing with this. There's a need to balance safety advice and our wider responsibilities. The critical world being out there balanced. No one decision or method is right for everyone as can be clearly demonstrated by different countries and governments response to the same problem, even within the UK. Additionally, managing and coordinating conflict advice to avoid confusion, misinformation is a constant evolving situation. Central to the UK government's strategy to to manage the information flow is to recommend using a single point of reference for information in the form of the government website, BSAC, along with other organizations' advice, therefore points directly to the government site. This helps ensure that the information remains as of up-to-date as possible and remains consistent. Keeping balance and avoiding panic remains important, and we should all be conscious of the views and concerns of others. Those at most risk from the current virus are those with long-term chronic illness, compromised immunity, and such unlikely to be within the diving community. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Uh, However, most of us have extended families who may well fall into these categories and could be at risk if we do not take appropriate steps to distance ourselves from the risk of contamination 
from contact with others, whatever decision an individual makes, we should remain respectful of their individual risk assessment decisions and not criticize them. So before I get to the next section, is that just a bunch of positioning and uh, social correctness? <laughs> that first five sentences there? Did I lose you, Mac? Or am I back again? Yeah, you're back now. Sounds good. Uh, what I was thinking was everybody's different, and you really don't have a clue what's going on in their life, both work-wise, mm-hmm. relationships to the family, and the extended family. So it, it's hard to make a decision for them and that's what you're doing when you say, well, how come you don't do this or do that? Right. Social distancing is, is that. I'll give you an example. Uh, Ken and I were out on Tuesday. We were doing a dive, a uh, working dive. And we'd already finished putting gear away. And some older gentleman come walking up to us. And half his body is totally wet. And we sort of inquired like, uh, said Mike had a little issue there. He said, "Yeah, I fell down the embankment there across the bridge, and I thought I was going to die because I couldn't get up." Anyway, it went on and on and on. But the, the key item is during this whole evolution, we were six feet away, never got closer than six feet. Him, Ken, myself, and we're all then eventually talking about the virus. What? How is it affecting us? Social, economic, mm-hmm. and. It, it's interesting listen, listening to a different perspective. He had just rented a place over there in Harbor Shores, for example, for his family in the middle of the summer. Well, part of his family is in Australia, and they said, oh, by the way, we can't come now. We're basically quarantined on freaking island. Well, no, I'm sorry, not island, continent. And mm-hmm. uh, his other one is in Washington State, where they're having the other major issue. So they can't come and don't want to come right now. So it's like their relationship of what they're having to do, how they're having to manage, and ours, totally different. So social distancing in this context, it's apparent. Right. And and, and I heard uh, somebody was saying something about uh, you may not know if you if they've overdone it in the reaction, but you will definitely know if we've over, underdone it. I, and, uh, I get my information strictly from CDC is what I like to go through. And yeah. the one that I thought was really interesting and potentially bad is they went through and said, right now we're looking at zero to 10 days that you can have it and not know it. Mm-hmm. Well, they went ahead and did a study on all the ones who have gotten it, had it, cured, what have you. And it actually goes out to 27 days. So instead of zero to 10, it could be zero to 27 days. You could be active. Yeah, I, I saw that. Had it. Yeah, I saw that article that you're, you're referring to. Ah. And the CDC wasn't changing their guidance because they weren't convinced if the 27 days was an accurate assessment of the first because they had it. They knew a first contact and then they had it 27 days later. But what they're thinking may have happened is that there was a second contact that they were unaware of. So without some, 
which, which 27 days is hard to, to tie that back. So if it is in fact, 27 days, it could be months before they're, they're able to get enough data to prove that that's the case. If they're, if they're able to get it, if this, uh, in the U S you know, gets as big as it looks like it probably could, uh, it's going to be nearly impossible to collect that type of an analytic. For some people trying to figure out the social interface for just 10 days can be tremendous, especially if you're working and in a community that you go around providing training for perhaps, or attending conferences. It's like uh, two weeks ago when they had that, um, Singer Sandy Patty at uh, Andrews University. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. she has it. And then the paper today is they got four suspects from the audience who may have it in this at this stage. That's been what, 14 days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, it could still continue to be something really, really bad. But fortunately, like they said, the majority of kids, it doesn't really bother. Young adults, it doesn't really bother. It's older people past that 60 years old. And anybody mm-hmm. who's got, you know, other issues. Right. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, my, my wife works for the uh, county government. You know, she's has people come in. Uh, you know, she, she, in the course of her job, can handle money. So, yeah, I kind of figure if if we're going to get it, it's going to be probably from somebody she's been in in contact with. Uh, So here they they talk about diving and social distance. Again, this is the BSAC talking. Uh, Actually taking the decision to go diving in the current situation needs to account of the environment and the potential presence for direct and close contact with others. As we are aware, diving takes place in open air. Whilst there's been no more, no formal definition of what constitutes large scale gatherings at sporting events where formal limits have been placed, there does tend to be a distinction between indoor and outdoor events, e.g. in one instance, a hundred people indoors and 500 people outdoors. Diving activity would not fall even close to similar links. Add to the consideration that the general health of the participants, careful analysts of each individual potential for exposure and importantly their care and concern of relatives then individuals make the decisions to go diving at the weekend should not be subject to adverse criticism for their decision so it the kind of the tone of this is really about whether somebody should be uh called out for not doing what somebody else thinks they should do because that's different than what we're getting here in the u.s you know in the U.S., it would that would be 180. It would be, you know, they it, it it seems at least from the what media I can see is that you know you're you're supposed to to shame people for not following, guilt them into it. I know when um, Bob and Ted went diving this week, uh, I think it was they wanted to go to Lake 16, but they went somewhere else. But the bottom is they were when they gave their the results of their dive, their activities. They were clear to state that they observed the six-foot minimum distance when they were getting ready. They said they were closer when they were in their full suits with their gear on, breathing off their regulators. When they got back out, they got back to their six-foot minimum distance. 
their, their dive or, you know, debriefing, all, all that kind of stuff, got rid of their equipment. That's just, you know, what else are you going to do? Even if you weren't diving, that kind of activity, more to more protected right. can you get than a rubber suit well, or in yeah, right. dry suits. Well, well, and plus you're underwater. So even underwater, if you're within that social, that six foot distance with, if you're practicing, uh, buddy diving, then you probably should be. Uh, but I don't believe that you're going to be passing or risking, uh, contamination at that distance underwater. Especially if you don't share the regulator. Right. You're, you're more at risk from. Just other things in the water would yeah. be my guess. Uh, uh, and then training, uh, BSAC has published guidance on training on the website. The consideration for wishes of individuals, as noted above, remains valid for training as well. Primary considerations for continuing or suspending training is to ensure that all involved that are aware of the considerations at each point of the form consent in ensuring that if they are unwilling to take part or practice particular skill, they have the right and responsibility to say so. This applies to students and instructors alike. And then it says training and skill benefits. One of the positives that frequently come out of times of adversity is how people pull together. I have already received a number of suggestions from individuals on how the diving community might help. One example resolves around the potential for O2 trained individuals assessing, assisting where possible. At the very least, it's worth us all recognize significant portion of the diving community as a well-honed CPR skills that may be called upon the community or with vulnerable people should the need arise. Instructors who help train those skills could be equally valued. And this is uh, Jim Watson from the BSAC Safety and Development Manager, and that's on their website as a blog post. As a side note, would you be inclined to use your CPR skills and perform mouth-to-mouth on someone you didn't know at this stage of the game? In in general, uh, in the in the mouth-to-mouth training, we're supposed to be using barriers at all times anyway. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, CPR occurrences like that don't normally happen, you know, when you have the right gear handy. Yeah. Uh, because because for me at my office I've got all that gear at home I have it but you know I'm not necessarily worried about family members uh, you know in my vehicle I have it but that's that's just because of uh, yeah Derek says pocket mass that's just because of the you know previous occupations I've had uh, train me for that uh, but without it I I don't I wouldn't stop CPR yeah you know, I'm gonna I'm going to risk risk an illness versus when I think that's a high likelihood I could save a life. Still food yeah, for Karen, Karen, yeah, Karen's pointing out, it says it's perfectly fine to do compressions until EMS arrives. Uh, oh, compressions was not my issue. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's nice to get a perspective because, uh, you know, and I'm sure each country is this way. Uh, there, it, it depends also where the country is in the outbreak. I'm sure that, uh, you know, what we would hear from South Korea is going to be different from Italy is going to be different from the UK. And then here in the U S and North America, what the heck here? Oh goodness. I've got a, a business insider is getting on my shit list. 
because <laughs> they're 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 insistent that they've now every time I go and try and view them, they're in in Google Chrome. They're whining that you've got a pop up blocker, but I don't have a pop up blocker, which tells me that they're doing something. So I just got to open it a different browser and I can get in. But it's annoying. Uh, I, I barely call them a new site. So here here here's the reward. I'm going to talk about them, but. Uh, th- this article I was fascinated to not necessarily diving related, but just kind of, uh, you could see how this could relate to a diving trip. A group of friends spent 25 days rafting in the grand Canyon with no outside contact and returned to find the world in the midst of a disorienting pandemic. Uh, uh they emerged to a confusing world relatively, uh, Enveloped by the coronavirus when they finished their trip on Sunday, a group of more than a dozen rasters who initially told their story to the New York Times set on a trip February 19th. Their phones were off as the novel coronavirus spread across the United States, causing a new normal in which people hoarded toilet paper and were told to stay indoors indefinitely. Since the virus st- first started spreading, COVID-19 has infected more than 235,000 people worldwide and at least 9,700 people have died. In the U.S., 165 people have died from the disease. Mason Thomas, a 29-year-old from Rancho Cordova, California, was on a trip, told Insider he was paying attention to the virus before he left because his mother and brother both have health problems. When the crew left on February 19th, Wuhan, China, had been put under quarantine. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention had issued a Level 1 travel advisory for parts of Asia, meaning travelers practice usual precautions. But when Thomas and his friends finished the trip, they were met by a rafting company employee in Flagstaff, Arizona, who gave them an update on the on the world. The novel coronavirus is now a pandemic. Italy was on lockdown. Supermarket shelves were empty. Sports leagues have been suspended. Stock market had plummeted or gone up or plummeted. And then uh, people were advised to stay indoors. The adventure group turned on their phones and there was immediate confusion. Why would a respiratory virus cause people to buy all the toilet paper? How can we get out of control like this? Thomas recalled thinking it's disorienting so much to process. Thomas said being in the Colorado river away from most society prepared us to continue in this fashion when arriving back home and practicing social distancing to prevent the spread. But it's been very difficult not being able to see the people I've missed. And if I do being able to hug them or anything, he said, Zach N. Edler, one of Thomas's fellow rafters told the New York Times they had no regrets about taking the trip. So why would you have regrets about taking a trip? Uh, some people wouldn't like this, but I love that blissful ignorance. It allows you to enjoy the beauty of life for him. The last week was a rarest form of adventure. Preciously stolen days postponed the dire reality. Time had so much fun. We lived in the moment. We were some of the only people in the world who had no idea I liked it better then. Thomas said getting back has been trying to reconnect with friends the best he can, listen to podcasts, and read the news. So I, I was just imagining maybe, say it was a liveaboard trip and you didn't have internet or cell coverage. This same thing could go on. Nothing wrong with it. No. No, you, you've, you've got to live your life and do what you got to do. And, you know, the the, the one gentleman i mean he was concerned just because he's he's probably at the the point he heard the news is like well i hope that doesn't come here because i got family members that uh would be at high risk but uh 
But you know, he, they probably got good. You know, they 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 learned how to poop on the riverbanks and cover up the little cat hole or something. So, uh, good skills to have now. Uh, could possibly be needed later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, I, I'd have to think about just taking the raft back up river and going for another fourteen days. Because <laughs> anybody in your, of course, that's heavy permitting in Grand Canyon, so. Uh, you probably, they're not going to let you do that, even though you would be at the least risk of spreading the disease. Could they prevent you from going back and doing it again? If you had your own equipment. Well, if you had obviously, your own equipment. Obviously, somebody else's rafts and stuff. Yeah. God, I never put it past people to get worked up over something and to be able to try and fine you or airlift you out. Put you, know, put you in jail, which would be a, it could be a death sentence for you. Scuba Diver claims unfair treatment by beach neighbors. This one is out of Rockport from the Gloucester Times. Uh, local scuba, scuba instructors and neighbors of Black Beach are still clashing about classes being held in the public beach despite efforts to streamline the permitting process by the town. Mike Merriman, a scuba instructor for the past 20 years, says he believes members of the Cape and scuba community are under the microscope whenever they dive Rockport. Every time I've been at the Rockport Beach, either for a class or by myself, there's been a police officer checking permits, not just at Back Beach, but Front Beach as well. I also heard from other instructors they've been stopped at Old Garden Beach. Other divers have posted their frustrations on Facebook. I am a resident and had the police called on me and my fiance because we were divers. One post reads, we were legally parked and just started to put our gear together and the police rolled up. According to the town's establishment regulations on public beaches and parks, no commercial activity shall be permitted on any beach or park without an express written permission of the board of selectmen. It also prohibits organized groups or large assemblies other than family members from using the beach and parks. Repeated violations are subject to a hundred dollar fine. The act of scuba diving itself does not require permitting. Only those who are hosting classes or charging fees for their service must obtain a permit. State law states no person shall be denied access during daylight hours to Commonwealth tide lands across any land available for public for swimming or recreation, which is owned and controlled by the Commonwealth or any of its political subdivisions for the purpose of scuba diving or skin diving. Back in 2018, residents who lived near Black Beach began or Back Beach began to report unpermitted scuba classes to the police. Gloucester Daily Times reached out to member of the Beach Street Neighbors Association for the article requested questions be sent by email, the member did not respond. The town's police chief said his officer responded to those reports. I was made aware of citizens' concern related to the quality of issues, parking violations, moving violations, litter, and undressing in public, which allegedly took place before or after commercial scuba diving classes at some of the beaches in town in the fall of 2018 without a permit issued by the DPW, said police chief John Horvath in an email. About a year ago, town made it easier for dive classes to obtain permits. Previously, the permitting process involved people coming to town hall, filling out the form manually. According to Public Works Director uh, Joe Parisi, his department developed a website to streamline the registration process for commercial entities, including divers, to host event on Rockport's public lands. As the website launched, the DPW spoke with police officers, local scuba diving groups, to get the word back out about the permitting process. Merriman said... 
He has held at least eight classes in the past year, each with a permit. The class size typically vary from two to eight divers, depending on the time of year. At all of them, he says it's been stopped by police. He says all of them have been stopped by police, although he said each interaction he's had with officers has been very cordial. He said he believes divers are being targeted. One time, there was a yoga class being held to beach treetop yoga studio in Gloucester. He recalled, I asked the officer, are you checking permits for them? He said, we're only checking permits for divers. In an email, Horvath denied the police department is engaging in any effort to break up unregistered scuba classes. Merriman said he believes certain locals have been on a witch hunt against scuba divers. He claims they are calling the local police numerous times to report infractions. None were found valid and even filming the divers as they change in the wetsuits. Changing is no different than putting on a shirt or putting on your bathing suit. Merriman said one person told police that the woman exposed her breast, which isn't true. She's wearing a bikini top. Although Merriman said the shift to online registration has been helpful. He says it still worked to be done to involve the relationship with the divers in town, mainly wants the rules regarding the permits, commercial uh, activities to be universally applied. So what I found interesting, because I, 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 is if you had the permit, how is he saying the class is stopped? Does he mean interrupted, not necessarily stopped? Because I, I think he meant interrupted, not stopped per se. Yeah, because if you had the permit, the, the officer's going to look at it and go, oh, okay, you got a permit. But it does get annoying that every time you're down there, but we know what that is, and that is a whiny neighbor, and it only takes one, one whiny neighbor to call the cops every time he sees a diver. You know, he probably looks for the red license plate or sees people hauling gear and instantly calls, and you know, you talk to some of the office people at that department, you know, they, they probably have like had enough of it. Uh, and the police really, this is not their top priority. I'm going to guess is that is ticketing divers. What I think that, that they need to do is have an option where, uh, he could register a bunch of dates and then that would all be posted. And then the officers wouldn't even have to come down. They could just look on if they've, if they've got the online permitting, the officer should be able to call the office and go, Hey, do we have anybody registered for this day? And if it's yes, you go, okay, we're done. So, it's, yeah. Or the other thing I is thought, just. I take, thought I thought the issue on one of these was husband and wife went out to go diving. Generally, how do you know that's a class? I mean, a class I don't associate with one-on-one. No. Well, it husband and diving, be, if the, I mean. The chances are what? No, I mean, well, okay, let, let's say it was the mud club. And according to this, the mud club would be in violation because it's only supposed to be family units who are diving. But who's this to family say units, that? as an individual, we go, let's say, to the park. We're mm-hmm. not, you know, we're there to dive. We're yep. family. We're family people. Are you yep. saying two people can't go out and meet two other people who are having a picnic and eat lunch together or whatever? That's that's the way I would look at this. That can't be. That's not enforceable. Yeah. Well, that's kind of one of those things. Make them enforce it, and then you just take it to court and really drive them nuts. Absolutely. Yeah. Or find out right. the if it's one individual. But if it's happened at three different parks, obviously they are being targeted. And I'd be curious to know why. It sounds like one is nudity. Well, but if you have your bathing suit and put your gear over it, it's not an issue. 
Right. But who's to say that person doesn't object to bikini tops as well? I don't. No, I, I think we need to look at more bikini tops and that would, uh, just to counter this. Uh, but, uh, I wonder what, the, what if you just went there to win swimming in the speedo? That's going to create an issue. Oh yeah. Gosh. Oh, to get, the, get all of his older guys just to put on speedos and just go swimming out there if they want to complain about something. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's all well, the, the worst thing about that, that's going to be on social media. You got people complaining that I'm traumatizing PTSD all over the place. Oh, we we have those little you know the little masks like you see in the cartoons around yeah. our eyes. That, that would help us, right? Yeah, that would yeah. protect our identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of us might even have to wear pasties or something. You know, I was going to say upper lift garments myself, but <laughs> so uh, yeah. So this is something to just be aware of, and and part of this is because uh, the. It's bad it's gotten to this point, and I'm not saying that either side had intentionally done anything wrong, but if you're scuba divers, it's worth showing the benefits to the community of what divers do. You know, wear your dive club t-shirts when you uh, visit the local establishments or you volunteer or you help out. Show that divers are a positive part of the community. Share what kind of economic impact these divers coming in uh, you know, buying gas, buying food. Uh, if you happen to have a dot, if you're a dive destination, the over overnights, um, you know, so sometimes, and I, I find this, the more touristy a town is, the more likely it is you're going to have that. Cause you have people who aren't necessarily part of the community, but they own property and it's their summer home and they've got in their mind what this ideal Nirvana is that they want to go visit when they're not at work. And, uh, it, that'd be that'd be another data point that'd be fun to find out of the people that are complaining, uh, even full time residents of that town. I'm glad we don't have those same issues up here. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, we usually have people concerned for our safety. Who are those crazy guys in the river? Yeah, right. I, we've had police called on us one time for New Year's dive. Until the cop got there and looked at these bunch of old people getting ready to go diving at midnight. And he yeah. said, don't worry about it. And the uh, time we were down there at uh, the turning basin, Whirlpool Basin, all of a sudden yeah. they, the, bullet, the bridge got locked down and all the people were on the <laughs> railing looking over at, and we're looking up there, what? Someone have an accident yeah. up there? No, there's, yeah. there's people drowning in the water under the bridge. Yeah, that's about the only time. I. I what, what's that say about us that people, out one time people think that. we're drowning? <laughs> yep. Yeah, we did have the Coast Guard come but, out that one time. Yeah, the, but the, the police are always uh, are, are are always fine when they come down. You know, they they check, they call it in, uh, kind of scolded us, asked us <laughs> from that point on. They said, "If you're going in the river, please call us first, so we don't have to come out." But then they like to take a look at the gear and chat. So it was it was. It was nice, but yeah, get to know your community and, you know, help work together. Yeah. For the weird ones like that, where it's not the normal time somebody would expect somebody to be in the water. Right. right. Well, and then the, the, we the, other, the, the other thing is, yeah. Well, the uh, other thing is also, if you can, is if you have this dialogue, you may be able to find out who it is. Cause I'm sure whoever like, it is, whoever it is, is, you know, probably not cutting their lawn quite the correct way or, 
you know, maybe they have some garbage that's not quite contained properly or or something. I mean, not not that anything would happen, but you know, you'd hate for that to to come out. Uh, travelers can join an expedition deep into the ocean. Uh, it says travelers in the opposite direction, of course, a challenger deep sitting at a depth of 10,928 feet or meters, 35,853 feet is widely regarded as the deepest point in the world's ocean In a world first travel company. EYOS expeditions has teamed up with private scuba diving company, Caladan Oceanic to offer the general public a rare opportunity to join an upcoming expedition and dive the bottom of the Marinara Trench in the Western Pacific Ocean. I'd like to make one comment. It ain't the general public. (laughs) Well, you mean you you, you can't find money in your cushions to to cover this trip? I I just accept, you know, that exception there. The general public ain't happening if you say the general public. No. Uh, other than that, no. I'll let you go ahead. I'm, I was ranting. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. So says, according to EYOS, only seven people on Earth have visited Challenger Deep, uh, which there note in this article that James Cameron happens to be one of them. Does the company only invites three people to join the trip? It is offered on a first-come, first-served basis, and they do not disclose a detail of the cost but according to the article, it's safe to assume that it'd be a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars, given that dives of the Titanic cost between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand per person. So I think that lets the general public out. Yeah, the general public, if you just have a you know a couple hundred thousand dollars laying around, uh, three travelers called mission specialists will spend approximately eight days on the Ring of Fire expedition, which is operated by. EYOS, EYOS and Caladan Oceanic. Each scuba dive will take up to 14 hours. A descent, which is more than seven miles, takes more than four hours. Divers will spend up to four hours in seabed where they can explore and possibly film their surroundings. It is the most would exclusive you, destination would you, in the world. Would, would you call that a scuba dive? I, I'm not quite sure I would. No, no. It's... it's Self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. That's a stretch of the term. No, it, 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 you're doing a uh, sub-dive. Submersible. Submersible, yeah. It's uh, yeah, you're not going to call it scuba dive. Uh, current, uh, it says exact date needs to be confirmed. So really what this is, is this is somebody who's, who's done all the logistics to figure out what a cost is so they can t- get it out there to see who's interested. Because somebody's got one of these big boats and they're trying to figure out how the heck they pay for it. You know, these these RO, uh, underwater subs are a ton of money to get going. So, article now, is quite interesting, especially when you look at the, when it talks about each has the uh, submersible has been tested in a chamber at 14,000 meters. Yeah. Is it 90 millimeter thick titanium sphere? Some of the logistics on it and the factoids on the equipment is fantastic. But it's not your normal Why do they, general public. No, but they, they say 90 millimeter titanium sphere. But if they said nine centimeter, you'd, you'd think oh, that's not that big. But 90, <laughs> that sounds massive. Wow, full 90. Uh, and titanium, the spear's not necessarily titanium 
is it maybe some of the connecting bits or is that mixed into the uh into the dome is it an alloy as you know is it a comp it'd be a composition i think it'd be some sort of polycarbonate type of material or glass material would titanium be mixed in there I think they're talking about the contained vessel itself as opposed to oh, the, the viewpoint, okay. the view slots. Well, and then also titanium is not a great material for a pressure vessel. Uh, titanium, really know. Well, I, I was just reading something this, this week, in fact, and it was somebody was asking uh, why aren't submarines made out of titanium? And they said the Russians did it, but the problem with the titanium is that it's not good for the uh, uh, compression cycles. It changes the metallurgy of the titanium, and uh, it will eventually fail. Where you know steel or stainless steel or, or steel alloys tend to have a better uh, lifespan. So, you know, that, that they said that's why the uh, a lot of vessels will, uh, especially if they do titanium, keep track of the number of cycles. That they do. No, they're they're highly corrosion resistant. Yeah. Well, and then it may be, you know, that yeah, and what I don't know is is that point, you know, a thousand cycles, is it fifty thousand cycles? Is it, you know, five hundred thousand cycles? You know, because the military has quite high standards and it might be more than what would reasonably be done in a research vessel like this. That's what I I'm just assuming. went over to take a look at that myself. And uh there's a good number of the pressure vessels. But I haven't seen anything that references the cyclic rate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was either yesterday or today. I was I was actually reading that one, and I I, didn't, I hadn't heard of that because titanium is a nice light material. Uh, it's got some excellent properties when it comes to heat. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a little pricey, and then it's a limited supply. It's uh, largely in the uh, the Russia area where they've got the most of the the minerals. But, uh, yeah, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, it's a drop in the bucket. Well, I like the part where they say it's high, you know, comfortable seats, high-definition cameras. Well, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, I'd like a comfortable seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if it, if it goes it's for funny, it. Though, it. This goes along with being able to take a suborbital flight or visit the uh, space yeah. lab. If you got the money, you can do it. Yeah. And I would love, gosh, just to have the money, I would love just to be a, a full-time, you know, eco-tourist or something. You just kind of go and do all these different things. Yep. If anybody's got the money that wants to fund somebody, and it could be an experiment because, you know, an old guy, how does he adapt to being able to do this? I'd be more than welcome to be the guinea pig. Yeah. So if anybody's out there has got either suborbital or not, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine though doing that? How awesome that would freaking be. This would be, this would be brilliant. I would, I would absolutely love this. This is, uh, you know, my, my eight year old self would, would be so excited. It's the time though, is whenever you start wondering some of these movies where the sea creature from the abyss comes through, and you see the teeth as it clamps on your submersible, and mm. then you think maybe this was not a good idea at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that would not be a fun, fun experience. Or you could just harass the people who are in the vessel with you. 
that you could prank them somehow. You got halfway down and you said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Take me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then how, how about this one? I, I really like this is uh, a self-driving boat explores the mysteries of long lost shipwrecks and join the search of Amelia Earhart's plane. The University of New Hampshire has an autonomous boat, the Bathymeric Explorer and Navigator, or Ben, and they use it to find lost shipwrecks. They said this bright yellow autonomous boat might be the key to unlocking the ocean secrets built by research researchers at University of North of New Hampshire. The self-diving boat is used to map the ocean floor and can assist crews in finding long-lost wrecks like the famous Ohio and Lake Huron. They set it all up, and then they said Lake Huron, which I love the Great Lakes, but uh, I don't consider that to be super remote. Ben has been involved in other recent searches. Mapping the ocean floor can help improve understandings of the oceans and the climate in other ways. And when you take a look at Ben, uh, he's not that big. I mean, he almost looks like a little uh, hydroplane type of boat, but where the cabin would be, it's all kind of filled in. Must be some electronics gear or, or uh, fuel, something. All but, of the above. The, yeah, and it says the uh, the information from the vessel is sent to a control room that's on a trailer on shore. So it looks like they're in some sort of semi-trailer with large screens, and they're they're running the boat. Uh, the boat's about 13 feet long, can travel for about 16 hours before needing refueling. Uh, it was used in that search where they were trying to find uh, Amelia Earhart's uh, plane. be interesting to know the uh, type of sub-bottom profiler it has, how much mm-hmm. that costs. I'd be very, very curious. And the speed of their search <laughs> pattern and how big a seas can they have and have it still work. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking at the vessel, and it looks to be a uh, like a jet boat. So it looks like, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm looking at a jet boat. The ass end of it. Yeah. Now, is that a towfish that they drop in the water? Because that's what I was wondering. Is he? You'd almost have to have some sort of towfish. I can't tell. That's why I was curious. What kind of side scan or or bottom profiler did they have? And um, if the bin was used in Lake Huron's Thunder Bay, it'd be a great idea if they could have shown some mapping from Mm -hmm. that event in Thunder Bay. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. But I kind of like the concept, even though it's, it's, uh, other than the potential for some people to get seasick, being out in the water seems like it'd be better than being holed on a trailer in the parking lot at the beach. Uh, the Navy's got the ones that are actually submersible. Mm-hmm. They're basically submarines without a crew, and they do the same thing. They've been using it to map, obviously, underwater seaways for their boats. And at mm-hmm. the same time, if they find something, that's great, too. Yeah. But I was thinking about this is if you could design this in a way where the roughness of seas didn't matter, this agree- this could extend your season for doing shipwreck hunting. Oh, and the the ones that already go under the water, which aren't affected by the seas. But again, how much money? That's what they didn't say, and I'd like to know that. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, I I think you could, I think a properly motivated person could create something on their own 
uh, maybe not to the exact caliber, but something comparable. I mean, uh, I, I, I looked at this and I'm like, huh, uh, this, this would be cool. Cause I've been looking at ROVs and submersibles, but the level of engineering and time to do that, you know, to have something that's like a torpedo that just goes and then pops up after a day or two. I mean, just the engineering, you'd, you'd have to spend a lot of time and money figuring all that out where a boat, you know, to make, make a remote controlled boat that you could operate from shore. Um, I think that would be something fairly reasonable if you could keep it within five, six miles of shore. Uh, I mean, you know where it's at, you're getting GPS readings the whole time. Um, uh, I, I kind of like this and maybe even you could even do something a little bit smaller scale. I mean, this was what size they say this was again. Uh, it was 13 feet long. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's pretty small. I mean, you could you know, maybe go eight or nine feet long. Uh, and then the question comes, is this something, cause I, what I would do would be do something where you may, you might have a, a boat. Cause to me, if you're going to have uh, a tow fish in the water, if it gets hung up, you're still going to want to be able to be in a position to go and rescue it. I was looking at this. And it's been used pretty much everywhere. Right now, it's been used in the Antarctic to map certain areas there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like this. I think it's a a cool idea, and I it, it just I, makes nothing but sense. I was trying to figure out the cost of it, and I couldn't find what it cost, even though I asked. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing about this is, you know, one of the expenses we have when, when you're do, mowing the lawn with a boat is the fuel for the boat, you know, running a 19 to 30 foot boat, uh, for a day. I mean, you can sink many hundreds of dollars in fuel where if you take a boat and you anchor it in an area, and then you just have this running, uh, mowing the lawn, uh, you could run it for a little bit less cost or, or say you got good at this. Well, who's to say you don't run two or three of these. Interesting. They were saying the robotic boat increased the survey coverage of the ship's efforts by as much as 25% during day operations alone. And if it's integrated into the ship's routine production survey operations could be operated by existing shipboard personnel. So it's being used in Alaska also. Uh, the West Coast and Alaskan waters to improve the nation's nautical charts. In the Antarctic, many of these charts are built from scant sounding data, and the measurements are hundreds of years old. So, therefore, the summer season, shipping is increasing in the Arctic waters due to less ice. National effort is underway to improve the charts and to safety. But the short summers, limited good weather, remote locations, and vast amount of sea for to survey makes a daunting task. Yeah. So what you do is you have your main survey vessels, your platform. It's doing its own survey, and then you augment it with this. So you 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 know could potentially double your your coverage area. And it's talking about it does not use a dipper. They're using sonar from the modules attached to the boat, not towing an array or anything like that. Yeah, they must and, have some really good math to handle. You know, rough season. And at uh, top speed is 5.5 knots. And as you know, we're quite used to, if you're towing a fish, you got to be, 
if you really want some good ones under three knots. Yeah. Well, like you said, it'd be nice to know what kind of gear they got on it because that's with the, the gear that we have accessible, not with, uh, you know, the best that money can buy. <laughs> yeah. Not by a long shot. <laughs> Let's see. Do we have anything else? Oh, artificial reef need support. Why am I not seeing that one here? We, here we go. Okay. Um, and this one's recent. Uh, before efforts to create a new shipwreck artificial reef begin, dive community supporters need support from the Isla Morada Village Council. Isla Morada. I'm I'm probably compl- I'm not even in the right ballpark on that. I'm pretty sure. It says unless the council agrees to serve permit holder serve as permit holder for the proposed project, said Kurt Tid of a newly formed uh, artificial reef association, we're kind of at a standstill. We can't even request a wreck be made available. Council members at a January meeting said they endorsed the concept of a new subsea attraction, but held off a formal commitment. At a March 5th session, the council members wanted to know more about the potential cost and legal liability if something goes wrong. Cost to rectify an unexpected early sinking of the Spiegel Grove off Key Largo in 2002 was mentioned. What is our exposure as a city, said the councilwoman, Deb Gillis. There's a liability and a maintenance and the need to make sure it doesn't move in the future. I've got to have some basic cost estimate before I'm in favor, said uh, Chris Sante. Wondering about expenses to clean and move a large ship to the Florida Keys. Sinking the Vandenberg shipwreck off Key West in May of 2009 required a horrendous amount of money. Sante said fact sheet in the project put the sinking at $8.6 million. That money has all been recouped, Tid said. Uh, referring to the business of dive operators and resorts, the Spiegel Grove has more than recouped its cost. We don't see it. This is a money loser. After the Vandenberg was scuttled, the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary enacted a moratorium on future sinkings until more is known about the large vessel effects on fish life in the marine ecosystem. Since then, the natural Florida Key reefs have declined substantially due to diseases like stony coral tissue loss and declining water quality. We know the reef is getting a lot of stress from outside influences that we have no control over, said Lisa uh, Mangila. Executive Director of the History of Diving Museum and Artificial Reef Board member. Our position is that putting an artificial reef down gives us a natural reef some relief. Divers have someplace new to go. Fish and invertebrates have more habitat choices, which is beneficial. The main, the, the main shipwreck draw in the area is the Eagle, scuttled in 1985. A 268-foot in length, the cargo vessel is roughly half the size of the 510-foot Spiegel Grove and the 522-foot Vandenberg. The Eagle is still a great dive, but it's been down a long time and has become seasoned by the sea. There's really no other wreck between the Eagle and the Spiegel Grove. The new shipwreck reef would bring tourism dollars specifically to the area that support fishing and diving. If we do nothing, people are going to stop coming here. Mayor Mike Foster said he continues to support the effort, but the legal jargon needs to get done. In addition, Tid and Mangelia board members of the uh, Reef Association include Matt Bellinger, John Bruin, and Jenny Hall. So what I thought was interesting out of that article is they're saying that they believe the the Vandenberg 
has paid for itself in uh, benefit. That's a lot of benefit to cover eight point six million. Oh, that's what uh, ten years. So yeah. it's about so that's, ninety thousand, uh, nine hundred thousand a year. And yeah. how many people have dove that? You could calculate that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, like we always have said, though, sink it and they will come. Yeah. And yeah. It, as you're and well it's, aware, it's a little bit, we're, trying, we're trying to find one to sink locally and either the Southwest or the West Michigan Preserve. And I yeah. think if we did that, you would get a heck of a lot of traffic. Oh, I think so. And I think it would make Michigan a serious destination for divers, uh, especially those in the area. I mean, everybody who dives in the area would at least hit it once. And we may even be able to talk those, those wussy warm water divers into coming up and, and trying it out. We have a lot of divers in our area. I, every time I talk to somebody at work, you know, they all know I'm a diver and they'll say, oh, I dive. And I said, well, when was the last time you dive? Oh, three years ago in Florida. And I say, well, what about up here? And they're like, oh, it's too cold. But I think if you had something interesting, uh, we could change that. Again, deep water is not, when I say deep, over 60 feet is not always the bestest. I love the rivers. Mm-hmm. You got stuff to play in. I love shipwrecks. But my chance of diving is better if I'm in the river because it's local. I don't have to travel. Yeah. R- travel you will do. Yeah, rivers take some training and some knowledge and some understanding. And a lot of people in our area who don't dive up here, I don't think take that. Uh, Our best chance would be if you had clear, clean, warm in the summer, shallow lakes, but warm and clear never seem to go together. We could Uh, put more boats in the local lakes as opposed to just the quarries. You'd have a lot more people diving at a lot more different places. Yeah. I mean, well, like diving, you like, go, I mean, you could, you could put a couple in there. You go to uh, Cora, and if you go to Cora, you know where the boats are. And what do you go look at when you go to Cora? You go look at the boats. Yeah. You know, so yeah. those like, rowboats out there, they're junk, but they're still fun to go through. And, and they're they're good practice. They 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 give you something to look at. It's a it's a target. Uh, but I, I'd like to see something a little bit more organized. But it's we we seem to be not have the good relationship with uh, other groups in the area who would fight us on putting anything in the water. But just probably a topic for another show. When you start putting something down like that, you quite often do make a nice habitat for fish, which means the fishermen like it, but they don't like it when you go there at the same time they want to fish. Oh, fishermen don't like anybody else in the water ever. Uh, luckily, you've got, and, and we're, we're talking about outliers. I would say 90% of them are fine, but it only takes a few. Because, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've actually avoided diving places because I didn't want to deal with the fishermen even though I have as much right to go there as they do. It's just like, oh, do I have, do I want to listen to this guy run his mouth off at me? Cause they're, they're convinced I'm going in the water. If, if you listen to them, they think I'm going to go in the water, scare all their fish away. And on top of that, take the fish that's already on their hook off. So they can't have it. 
and then cut their lines. I mean, that's that's what they're thinking. <laughs> I I don't usually see that. I see more of they're ignorant of what that flag is, and it really isn't a turning buoy for their <laughs> jet skis or their yeah. hydroplanes, and they don't really need to go there and see what it is and pull it up with me on the end of it. I've oh, had more yeah. issues with that than I ever have anything else. Well, that that kind of falls into that, just the problem we have up here. Uh, and I'm I'm not in favor of more bureaucracy, but seventy to eighty percent of all people the boat know have no knowledge of what they're doing. They just have not taken the the time to learn the proper techniques. And just because you did it when you, since you were six doesn't mean you know what the hell you're doing. Grumpy old man moment there. <laughs> <laughs> so that so on that note that that does it for scuba in the news. Uh, I do understand we had some muddies get in the water this last weekend or last week. Sounds like you got in the water. Yeah, I was doing more of a work job than I was a uh, fun time. Well, it was fun anyway, but. Yeah. That good day underwater is a bad than any day work, better than any day working. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be very curious to see uh, the new toy that Bob has. Uh, what did he get? Didn't you see his nice picture of his new uh, DPV? Well, looks I saw like a cave, photo. like the cave diving type. Oh, I saw a DPV, but I just I didn't know if that was uh, somebody actually had it or it was just a screenshot of. Uh, no, that's Bob's. He got that. He's waiting for some batteries. I think Lou's got one now. But uh, what they did, they dove at uh, Big Cricket Lake in Sister Lakes uh, what, uh, the other day. And they said it was a sunny day. I think, what was it? They were actually going to go test uh, some repairs to their dive suit. But they said the water was mm-hmm. clear. Uh, good visibility, like 25 feet. Uh, water temperature was 40 degrees. And they were only in about 20 minutes. Uh, Ted had a bad leak about the dry suit inflator. Uh, got his chest wet a little bit. And uh, he didn't have any problems with the zipper this time. Bob has had the zipper replaced on his suit. But he had a pinhole in his left dry glove, which got a little chilly. He said it wasn't a fast leak, but it was enough to overcome the heating effect of his electric gloves. Duh, as if I had electric gloves. Be nice. So they basically had a good time. Uh, Annex assessed, meaning they both went in, and they both came out and had a good dive and so they got their March dive completed already. Well, I am going to share the photo of the DPV in with the chat room, if I can figure out how to do that. Uh, uh, they had their good comments. They said, uh, in keeping with maintaining social isolation, change into your dry suit inside your own vehicle or at least six foot from your neighbor's car. Under order, we can relax those Rule slightly to keep good buddy separation, but no running out of air. You don't want to breathe off your buddy's octopus. Hope to see you out there for a dive. So it was a good post. Yeah. yeah I just added to the chat room a picture of that DPV. It looks like it's, and I, I have no knowledge of brands of DPVs, but it says black tip. So I don't know if that's the make or the model. It looks but like the, the looks cave pretty, diving type. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty sweet. I'm always surprised when you see how much something like that goes for, though. Yeah. You always get the old popular mechanics from yeah. uh, the 
years gone by and built one. I've done that. I, I built a Delta plane and it was actually very good. Two motors, but, uh, and with the batteries you have now, it would probably be a lot more efficient. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, can't we just kind of get a couple of, uh, car batteries and a trolling motor? Can we do the same thing? I've done that and it works, yeah. but you're not going to go real deep or unless you do a lot of configuration, you're not going to go deep. Yeah. But in river work, I've done that a lot. Mm-hmm. As a little side note, you know, you got Wolf's Open House this weekend. They're having yeah. it, but they're not having the uh, the food affair they normally do. So yeah. they're basically open for business. It is the beginning of the summer season. And what was it? Uh, today or was it? Yeah, today was the first day of spring at 10 minutes to 12. Yeah. So we're officially yeah, in spring. So so they're they're going to have the open house, and I and I I think did it, did I read something off to wear full face masks or something? Oh, they just said the only food is their normal popcorn and brownies and their coffee. Oh, so without the crowds, I it'd probably be a safe place to visit. Yeah, uh, I reserve well, this week anyway, so I don't have to. <laughs> well, it's divers. There's like only uh, nine divers in the whole uh, this half of the state, so that keeps us under the mandatory ten. So we should be fine. <laughs> very possible so, uh, I got out what was it uh, Tuesday I was doing uh-huh. uh, inspection of the intake water works for uh, Harbor Shores and uh, I was in about an hour or so because I had to clean it up visibility and when you got in if you didn't touch the bottom was about a foot once you <laughs> touch the bottom it went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> so if, you, if, you had me at a foot. I was thinking, yow. That's you know that new pedestrian bridge they put in from uh-huh. Harbor over. The, have you ever dove that area? No, not at all. Okay, I haven't so made it that. When you that go way. in, you figure out which way the current's flowing that that day, and you can go in one direction and you can see pretty good, but you cannot turn around. <laughs> you cannot go back because. Behind you is nothing. It looks like a squid or an octopus has followed you and just sprayed everything continually. Yeah, because it, I don't believe there's a lot of current in that part of the uh, river. There is not. So, Once so you get you, past where that pawpaw curves to the right to go into the St. Joe, it's dead water. Yeah, so it's very, very slow moving. So anything you stir up is going to be there for 8 to 10 hours. Yeah, that's... uh. Yeah, that, you got to time that one right. And you definitely want to be the first diver in because the second diver is done for. Just because uh, in that one section, I was there two weeks ago, the surface current is going one way and the bottom current is going the other way. Hmm. It doesn't seem like in uh, the Great Lakes and fresh water we should have that. Sounds more of a, uh, a, a slack tide type of thing going on there. Well, the reason for that is you got your wind current. And then you've got the, you know, how the Lake Michigan's been beat up. Well, that's flowing yeah. back into the piers and feeds back up the paw. But the huge amount of flow, obviously, is still the river flowing back into the river. Yeah. yeah, Karen says she needs to pull her boat out of storage and start getting it ready for the season. Tonight, letting the dogs out, it felt like it was 50, 60 degrees outside. So it is, gosh, First day of spring and it feels nice. There's been years where we've had it tend to blow this time of year. So 
uh, as long as we keep our distance, you know, get our six foot donuts and uh, we, we should be okay. I think, uh, did you say the article that Positively Michigan put out on shipwrecks oh, and reserves? That was a nice article. That was uh, good. They're a YouTube channel, Positively Michigan, and uh, a nice, uh, decent quality video. And we had somebody that, well, we had several people we know. We had Rick Mixter was on the video. Uh, we had Kevin Ailes was on the video. I think there was a couple other divers who were on. Uh, I understand it was taken at like a preserve meeting. Dave Lowry was there. Uh-huh. Uh, they even talked about the the Mud Club, of course, and they talked about the uh, Marquette Harbor cleanup that's coming up. Well, I, I saw that. Are, is there anybody besides us who considers divers in the bottom muddies? Because I, well, I any diver who's dove is a muddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, that that just uh it, it's like once you've div- you've dove in some of these rivers you you understand what a muddy is but uh well, the I, picture they you, posted uh for the harbor cleanup they got one hell of a lot of tires down there to be taken out and I'm uh, looking at the photo right now and that water clarity is wonderful uh, obviously yeah. it may be fifteen twenty feet and uh, it's it, I mean these are not car tires these are tractor trailer tires oh bigger. gosh yeah. But yeah, I can see yeah. one, two, three. I can see, looking straight down the, the alley here, uh, at least six posts, which means yeah. I've got 20-foot visibility. Yeah. Is, is it socially responsible to encourage people to go out there and uh, do some cleanup? I mean, I, I think we could easily organize a cleanup, you know, with the appropriate under whatever threshold number of people. And if you kept your distance, you get something done and you're outside. I mean, uh, they, we're going to have cabin fever here pretty soon. You uh, figure they moved four tons, 8,000 pounds of tires last year. Yeah. Can you, that would fill up a dumpster. Yes. Can you imagine that? Yeah. But this is going to, this is uh, obviously going to require surface support because I don't mind, you know, hooking these babies, bringing them up, but they are a pain in the buttons to try to get that either on a boat or on a dock unless somebody's got a winch. Yeah, they're heavy underwater, but they're a beast above. And anybody who's tried to take a tire out of the water, you can't get that last, what, 20% of the water out of the tire. Uh, it just sloshes around. And, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tough, but they, they need to come out. They just have no reason to be in the water. That's why we always encourage anybody who wants to participate, come on out, you know, uh-huh. wear boots and gloves because we need surface support to help haul that stuff from the water, water's edge up to shore and wherever it's going. Because the divers can't come out with their gear on and haul that up on the shoreline. Just yeah. doesn't work that way. It's not effective. Yeah. So we, you need more people on the surface than you do underwater. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we certainly do. And it's just part of the cleaning up. It's it's a multiplier effect. Just because you can't see it from shore doesn't mean it's it's not there. Uh, and eventually, currents will blow that up onto shore or to edges. And it's better just not to have it. So let, let's get as much of this as we get cleaned up. Uh, wow, I'm 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 looking forward to to getting out. Uh, my my uh, robotic season is pretty much done. Uh, there's some talk about trying to uh, recreate it, but you know the world competition for robotics uh, was canceled. 
uh, which is going to be, which there are two locations, Houston and Detroit. Uh, they're both canceled and, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of a bust this year. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, kids have worked hard and they're not going to be able to, to get out and demonstrate what they've been able to produce, but trying to keep them motivated, uh, in Michigan here, all schools have been closed this week and it's going to be going that way for the, at least the next three weeks, if not longer. Uh, so it'll be interesting socially what we're, we're able to do, keep people motivated. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe the time now is to convince people to go look at all those Google earth photos and see if they can find something that we can go dive later on. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you, you've only got about another week and you'll be through all the Netflix, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and Disney plus shows you, you care to watch. And I don't know. There's only, I, 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 I'm not looking forward to mowing the lawn. In fact, I think about going natural. When I say natural, I mean torching it. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> what is it they they want you to do now? I can't remember the the bee friendly uh, lawn stuff you can you can put on your lawn. They want it so you don't put out the pesticides and stuff. They want to make flowers that enhance the bee qualities. Oh uh, yeah, I'm 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 for that because bees are important. Uh, I'd love to have more bees, more honey. Uh, yeah, they, they pollinate the fruit and the crops that we grow in this area. Uh, and uh, many pesticides and chemicals are reacting with the bees. And it, it seems to be just a small amount that do, but some of them uh, really play. Uh, and, and Karen says, let the dandelions grow. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I mean, socially, uh, it's the walk of shame if you have dandelions on your yard, but uh not that I'm doing anything actively kill them. I'm too cheap to buy stuff to kill them. I, I walked by my neighbor's yard two weeks ago, and you saw this yellow thing sticking out of the yard. It's like, what? Already? Yeah. Well, I've, I've got, got bald trees behind up. I've got trees behind me turning green already. Bushes, not trees. Yeah. yeah. Well, all the uh, horse manure piles are starting to get green, which means all the uh, oats and stuff that are in them are starting to sprout. Yeah, you can make wine from uh, dandelions. I uh, that that's not too bad. Or dandelion tea. Tea. Yeah, you could do that too. And if you've never done that, look up the recipe. Pay attention to what it mm-hmm. says. You know, you don't want the old tough stuff. You want that new young, and and just try it just for the hell of it. Yeah. Yeah. You you you. It now's the time to start making lists of things you want to do while you're uh, being a shut in. And it's one of the items you can't go to the library and study because they're closed. But so, we've got the internet now. If it's on the internet, it has to be true. We won't go there, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, it's good to see somebody getting in the water because uh, diving, diving to me seems the uh, to be the responsible, socially uh, distanced activity because you can practice it at a distance. The What's sad is at the end of a dive, we always got to go to a bar or restaurant and do a debrief. So now the debriefs have to be done a little bit different, but oh, well, at least you're getting a dive in. So also support your local businesses. Uh, this is going to be the biggest uh, challenges. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of bars, our, our local bar here in town, AJ's, uh, they're doing dinners for four and six because they, they, they can't have anybody in. They can only do takeout. So they're having uh, meals pre-pepped 
pre-prepped. So if you go to their Facebook page, uh, you can see what they do for takeout. Uh, uh, Town Hall Pizza, aka Romas, is is doing the is. They've always had takeout, but they're also everybody's also offering delivery now. So a lot of these these restaurants and bars and establishments are they're trying to they really want to stay in business. And if you if you don't need the meal or the activity, how about buying a gift certificate that puts cash in the bank uh, and helps keep them afloat? Because when this is over, we want them to be there. There's going to be a heck of a pent up demand. Don't you think so? Nope. Yes, and I what I've been looking at since we're obviously over sixty five plus, and uh, I've been looking into the aspect of paying. You know, both Martin in our locale and Myers have people who will go through and do your shopping for you. Oh yeah, you can call and then pick it up right at the come load your car, or you can have them bring it to the house. Some of those are pretty reasonable, and I've been looking at the which one do I want to try because. I'd rather have them come over, drive, open my garage, put the bags in my garage, pick up their tip, and then I'll bring it in, decon my bags. Because I'm to the point, I really do not want to expose my wife or others to anything. Right. That's a little paranoia, but at our age, if that's the age people who are getting hurt, I'd rather protect myself. That's another item because they're going to need more people to do that. And I check on my neighbor who's 90-something every day through mm-hmm. the door. And I do not, you know, that six foot is what I I do for her. But as old school, she doesn't like to take help from anybody on anything. Sometimes you just yeah. have to do stuff anyway. Yeah. For yeah. them. <coughs> well, hopefully this isn't an uh, indication I've got anything. So... Uh. Yeah, but my, my daughter has actually been, what, what you're talking about for the delivery, uh, at least in this area through the, uh, we have Myers and Targets, uh, and the company has shipped. And my daughter, uh, for the last year, has been doing ship to help pay for college. And she loves doing it because she can make more than what she would make at a regular job. Now, she's also working at the hospital because uh, she's going for her uh, medical degree. But uh, for, during the week or during uh, the school year where she can't get away, she can't get back to the hospital to work, she's been doing shipped, and that, that's excellent. You can uh, go online, uh, put in what you want, you order it, they'll buy it, and then they'll, they'll deliver it for you. And you're in the perfect location for it. You're not too far from a mire. They, 0.5 they, miles. Yeah. So they'll do mire. I don't know if Martin's. And does uh, it also? Oh, do they have it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they have a different one. You, well, I, you can actually use both, but they have one on their own. Mm-hmm. But the other one, again, is if you don't want to pay transport, yeah. for a small fee, they'll get your stuff, and uh, you can pick it up right there at the at the, yeah. at the door. And the more yeah. you buy, the cheaper it is if you have them bring it to you. Yeah. There's less of a transport cost. Yeah, my, my wife has been doing shipped, um, not meaning she, she pays for people to shop because what she'll do, we live too rural and they're not going to come to deliver to us, but they will deliver to her work. Right. So what she'll do is she'll put everything in and it might be that she wants food for dinner tonight. You know, maybe we're going to get some chicken or some steaks or something and she'll order it and she'll get it 
delivered at the end of the day. So just before she leaves work, the, the uh, delivery person will stop by. They'll put it right in the car. And she didn't have to go in the store because some of those stores are ridiculously large. And if you don't mind paying a little bit of a premium, uh, it saves a lot of time. And now this time uh, with the, the virus going on, it's certainly worth it for anybody in a risk group just to go, just, just have it done. You don't have to go out. Uh, and a lot of businesses have, have taken on the shipping because uh, the, the payroll, the staff they would have to manage their restaurant or their lobby with nobody being allowed in Michigan here, they've closed all bars, restaurants, casinos, uh, venues, the theaters have closed. Um, so they, they've, if they want to stay in business, they have to figure out some way of, of, uh, allowing people to keep using the business. So I imagine wherever you're at in the dive shops, um, uh, go out and support them, give them some gear, Local businesses, if you use them, let them know you're going to use them to help them plan. Uh, I was in some of the articles that didn't make it for this week's episode was a couple dive shops uh, in the southern parts of the United States. Uh, they're afraid that they're going to have to shut down, either be mandated or not. And they're worried that once they shut down, they won't be able to reopen. So, uh, you know, get your gear in to be serviced. That gives them something to do. Uh, you can take online courses uh, to get some of your certifications, and then all you're ready for is once this gets lifted, you just do your practicals, and then you've got your cert. So uh, Karen in the chat room says she she had all her tanks vised and hydroed. Uh, I don't think I got any hydros due, but I do have a couple of vises, so I I certainly need to get those down to to Wolf's. Maybe I'll go down there and grab a, a disease-free brownie and uh, turn in my tanks. Well, is there anything you want to plug as we hit the end of this show 441? Oh, we pretty much hit them. We hit the dives that uh, have gone on. We talked about wolves and we've talked about the items that have been on the on the network and uh, locally about diving. I did have a uh, a Dan oh, report a story? if you're interested in that. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, again, I like Dan because they have a lot of good scenarios. This one is called Free Flow at 103 Feet. In August, I led a group of 12 divers on a recreational dive trip to Tobomori, Canada. Some of the divers were new to cold water, and some were seasoned cold water divers, but they were all ready for three days of diving the 1,800 shipwrecks, 1,800s shipwrecks, for which the area is known. I had led trips there before, and we excited to share these sites with a, a new group. The trip began with a dive briefing from Captain Tom, who led with some jokes about telling how the ships were, they were about to dive were sunk on purpose for recreational divers. Uh, that also explains why divers can see so much of a ship at a depth of 50 feet. Experienced divers can drop down to 103 to see the stern. Having previously dived this site a few times, I knew where all the fun parts were. My plan to navigate the wreck was to start at the bow, Worked my way across and over the shipwreck to the stern and end the dive with a slow climb back up to the bow line. As my wife and I were getting set up, the rest of the group paired up. One diver, who was a new cold water diver, paired up with two of his friends who had already had a few cold water dives under their weight belts. The captain soon dropped the ladder and said, pool is open. 
wife and I were the last off the boat because I like to help divers who need assistance getting in the water. We descended and followed our planned route to the bow and then moved towards the stern. We saw part of the group on the wreck, and everyone looked like they were having fun exploring the ship and keeping warm as best they could. My computer recorded water temperature at 41 degrees at depth, and I watched over the divers who had reduced bottom times due to their 7 mil wetsuits, not providing much protection from the cold water, unlike my dry suit. After spending 28 minutes on the wreck, my wife and I slowly made our way up the bow line for a safety stop. When we arrived on the surface, the other divers were already on the boat, and as we were getting on board, Captain Tom said, not to alarm you, but I have one diver on oxygen. I thought the captain was joking again, but I soon realized it was no joke. I immediately checked on the diver, who looked panicked and was breathing heavily from an oxygen mask. It was a new cold water diver who had dove with his two friends. Captain told me that the trio surfaced within five minutes of entering the water and had reached the maximum depth of 103 feet, according to the dive computers. He said he saw lots of bubbles coming to the surface before the divers returned. I calmly asked the diver what had happened. He was a little shaken up, but wasn't as bad as I expected for someone with a uh, you know, possible dive injury. He said his group had dropped straight down to the stern of the ship and at 103 feet is regulated free float. Being in cold water, surrounded by bubbles, was disorienting, but he remembered he could still breathe off his regulator. When his troop buddies noticed the problem, they grabbed him and began to ascend, possibly exceeding the 30-minute-per-feet rule. At a depth of about 50 foot, the tank's empty. The diver's tank was empty. He signaled to his buddy that he was out of air, but he offered him his spare regulator. They ascended to 15 feet, where the diver was calm enough to attempt a safety stop, but they didn't stay for the full three minutes. When the divers returned to the boat and told the captain what had happened, the diver was shaking and breathing hard till the captain decided to administer oxygen. It took a while to calm the diver who was scared and hyperventilating. As soon as I heard his story, I called the Dan Emergency Hotline. I've been a Dan member for 12 years and had my card in my dive bag. I told the person who answered the call that I was a diver who possibly, I was with a diver who possibly had a arterial gas embolism and asked, asked if someone at Dan could help me perform a neurological exam. They immediately transferred me to a Dan medic who listened to my retelling of the incident and asked to speak with the diver. She asked the diver yes or no questions for a couple of minutes, then handed the phone back to me. The Dan medic directed me to ask the diver to do certain things, such as follow my finger with your eyes, lift both the arms out like a zombie, and I reported back my observations. The Dan medic coached me through my first non-simulated neurological exam, which I performed exactly as I had been trained in my dive master class. After the exam was over, the Dan medic talked to the diver and determined that his symptoms did not warrant an emergency evacuation. Dan advised him to cease diving for the rest of the day and refrained from diving the next day as well to be safe. The medic gave me a list of things to watch for and told me to seek advanced medical care for the diver if I noticed any of those symptoms. We made sure to go over the free float procedures in every dive briefing from then on. The diver recovered while sitting out for five dives but completed the last two dives of the trip without problems. Fortunately, this situation ended on a positive note. Dan was there when we needed them. I'm thankful they were just a phone call away. 
keep that in mind the next time you may have an emergency. That is very good. It seemed like they did everything right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, you know, they stayed together, breathed off his regulator. Buddy was right there to help him. What could you have done different? Sounded like they did it right. And that's what made the difference on this particular item. Yep. Great to have a good outcome. Yes. Well, once again, I want to thank everybody who's downloading the program and especially those who got into the chat room. Uh, you know, a great way to social distance is to uh, listen to the podcast live. We record on Thursday nights, or I should say most Thursday nights at 9.30 p.m. We usually start the chat room about 9.15. I thought about opening it early this week as I was doing the show notes, but uh, didn't quite get around to it. So maybe next week we'll do something along those lines. And then I'm trying to get, uh, we're, we're current on the episodes, but we have some back episodes I'm trying to fit in. So we'll get some of those edited and out there. Uh, I, I looked at your, your joke and I think yours is actually a little bit better than mine. So I'm wondering, should we do a two for tonight? You think, you know, we'll, we'll Before warm I... up with, uh, yeah. yeah, just, just, just kind of, cause everybody's all shut in and a little, Needs to release a little bit, so here. So let's uh, go ahead and do a twofer. So the first one is, uh, and and I say this, and uh, it, it may not start in a positive note, but it says there are three dead bodies are uh, delivered to mortuary, mortuary one day. Each of them has a big smile on their face. The coroner examines the bodies and calls the police to tell them what has happened. Well, the first body is a Frenchman. He's age sixty died of a heart failure or making love to his mistress, hence the enormous smile, inspector says the coroner. The second body is a Scotsman, 25, with a thousand pounds. He won a thousand pounds in the lottery, spent all day drinking whiskey, dies of alcohol poisoning, and that's why he had a smile on his face. The inspector asks, what about the third body? He says, ah, that's the most unusual one. That's Billy Bob. He's a redneck and scuba diver uh, from the U.S., age 30, struck by lightning. Well, why is he smiling, asked Inspector. <laughs> he thought he was having his picture taken. Only for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, so th- they'll be evident why yours is better. <laughs> yeah. And it says, uh, so So he- here's the real one. A man who's been stranded, stranded on a desert island for alone for 10 years, sees a speck on the horizon. It's too small to be a ship, he thinks to himself. As the speck gets closer, he rules at the possibility of it being a small boat and then a raft. Suddenly, a gorgeous blonde woman emerged from the surf wearing a wetsuit and scuba gear. She approaches a stunned man and asks, how long has it been since you've had a cigarette? 10 years, he says. She unzips the waterproof pocket on her left sleeve and pulls out a packet of fresh cigarettes. He takes one, lights it, takes a long drag and says, man, is that ever good? Then she asks him, how long has it been since you've had a sip of bourbon? Trembling, he says, 10 years. She unzips a waterproof pocket in the right sleeve, pulls out a flask and gives it to him. He opens it, takes a long swig and says, wow, that's that's fantastic. Then she slowly unzips the long zipper down the front of her suit, looks at him seductively and asks, how long has it been since you played around? The man with tears in his eyes replies, 
Don't tell me you have golf clubs in there. Golfer, always a golfer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was wearing a wetsuit, so you, you know, I was expecting to say that. I think it might have been a dry suit with a lot of extra room. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, we know what you're thinking, and you shouldn't be thinking that, especially locked in the way you are. So, on that note, go out there and get wet. And stay safe, especially now.